Welcome to the Warrior Mama podcast, as we learn how to apply God's Word to our lives in motherhood, finding in big and small ways that the truth of the gospel applies not just to our lives as moms, but also to our children's lives, so that as we stand anchored in Him, we mother confidently with our hearts at rest. I'm so glad you're joining me today at the kitchen table. Welcome to the kitchen table. We're coming into fall, aren't we? And for many of us, we're gearing back up to return to school. Your kids may be just starting school. If you're like me, I have, I'm getting some kids ready to go to elementary school and I'm getting some kids ready to go to college and everything in between. And so this week and for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about letting go. And we're going to be diving into the ideas that the Lord has been teaching me about letting go. And we're going to be looking in his word of how do we connect the gospel to a concept of letting go? Like, how do we, does it fit together? And how does it fit together? The whole desire of this podcast is to help you take the truths in God's word and make them relevant and fit into your life in such a way that it transforms your life, that you are different because you're hanging your heart, your mind, and your life, and that includes your motherhood, on the truths of the gospel and not just on what people tell us that we should be doing or the way we see everybody else behaving. And in one of these areas is the idea of letting go. I want to tell you a story to start this about one of my children. And I think some of you mamas may understand this, whether you're in a season of letting that first little one walk into preschool or into kindergarten, or if you're like me and you're letting one of your children walk into college. But I remember sitting across a table from my oldest. And we were eating a basket of chips and guacamole at a great Mexican restaurant. We had just arrived in town where he was going to be going to college. And I, I was just overwhelmed with the emotions and the significance of this transition. And so everything, I was taking note of it and, and marking it on my heart and and trying to see and remember every bit of it. Do you know how we do that as moms? You know, we take that concept that where it says in Luke and Mary treasured everything in our heart. I think we all experience that in different seasons with our children where we know this is a significant season. We know this is a significant time. And for me, this was the first of my children to leave me the first to go away to school and he was choosing to go away to school 15 hours away. And I just knew that this was going to be a struggle, but I watched his face as he and my husband, his dad were talking and his, he just, his bright blue eyes and his quick smile and his great sarcastic wit. I, I just made memories come across and flood my mind. You know, I could see 
him as a toddler, <laughs> you know, saying and bursting at forth in emotion and, and being full of life, even in the hard days of toddlerhood, the forceful energy of always wiggling at tables and running through rooms and constantly having to tell him to, to walk and to watch where he was going and all the conversations from, I mean, we went through a whole season of shark just focus where we were sure sharks were everywhere when we were children, when he was a child to football and and everything in between. And it all began to play across my mind as I watched him at this table. He was eager to leave. He was ready to go. And I knew that it was just going to be one, one more hug, one more, I love you. And one more, I'm praying for you, buddy. And he was going to be off. In fact, we took him back to his dorm after that meal. And he did exactly what he did to me the very first day he went into his school as a kindergartner. And to be honest, it broke my heart again. So my son, when we like to laugh in our family, but, you know, going to kindergarten is a big deal. And I want all of you mamas to know I am not minimizing it. It was a huge deal for me of letting him go, even to go to kindergarten. And yet we were driving up and we were talking and I had all the other kids in the back seat. There was three other kids there in the back seat. And we were talking about, I was like, now, buddy, I'm going to park. We're going to unload everybody. And we'll walk you into your class and we'll help you get everything set up in your room. And he goes, no, no, I want to go through car line. And I said, no, that's for children who've already been here. The kindergartners are walking in. And he goes, no, I want to go through with the car line, mama. And looking at his face in the rearview mirror is something I, I will never forget. I mean, he was determined. And I knew that this was not the place to fight. But instead, this was the place to say yes. And yet it broke my heart. And so then I was certain as I was driving in, I was comforting myself. And I said, Oh, well, the minute we get into the car line, he's going to see all these other kids getting out and he's going to feel overwhelmed by, you know, Oh, I don't think I can do this mama. Let's just park and you can walk me in. He's going to need me. And instead it just made him all the more determined. And he pulled up or we pulled up, I guess I should say. And he's gathering his things and he's like, bye. And I was like, bye. I love you. I'm praying for you. And I watched my little one walk into school and I was like, he's going to look back. We need to be ready to wave to all the other kids. And he never looked back and he never paused <laughs> And he boldly walked into his new little school. And I remember pulling into a parking place and throwing that car into neutral or into park. And I was like, absolutely not. I cannot let this child just walk into school not knowing where his classroom is. And he's going to end up lost in some janitor's closet. And nobody's going to know he didn't show up. I have to know that he's in school. And the thoughts of any good mother would need to know this. And I 
find another friend. I'm like, will you watch my kids? I've got to run in and see if Noah made it. And I remember walking in and knowing enough not to make it clear, like not to let him see me following him. And I watched him walk all the way boldly and self-assured into his classroom. I thought I would die. He knew he was stepping into the next stage of his life. And when I dropped him off at college, it felt no different. We pulled into the back of his dorm room parking lot. He said, I'll see y'all. I'll call you. I love you. And I said, you know, okay. And immediately in the parking lot, he had already, he already was seeing new friends and high-fiving his new friends. And again, he never looked back as he walked up the stairs. And once again, I was caught struggling with a tension of wanting to tightly grip onto what I knew, terrified of a new stage, sure that I was losing things that I had treasured, and desperate to remember every moment and to remain present. And I wasn't sure about my role anymore. And I don't know if you have ever experienced that moment yet with your child, whether it's walking into preschool, walking into kindergarten, giving them the keys to a car and letting them drive out of your driveway, walking, going, taking them to college, or any other big space where we are called to let go of a child who is learning. Because that's what this is. We're going to be looking in the next three weeks about places where we have to learn to let go. This week we're talking about letting go of our child when they're learning, when they're stepping into a new season, a new unknown, and we have to step back. Next week, we're going to be talking about letting go of our child when they're lonely and when they're limping. And we're going to explore what that means for our child to be lonely or limping. They're wounded. They're hurt. How do we let go of them and why should we? And then the final week, we're going to talk about letting go of our child when they're lost and that we're going to explore both spiritual lostness and emotional lostness. But this week we're going to hang and we're going to center on letting go of our child when they're learning. They're stepping into something new and we realize that we need to step back and let go. And the first thing I'm going to talk to you about today is the I don't know if I want to call it an epiphany. It was definitely a space where the Lord caught my heart and then broke my heart over what was idolatry in my heart. And we're going to talk about that. I'm going to challenge you in that. And then we're going to look at what is a gospel response in the seasons that we need to let go. What does a gospel response look like? So I will confess that that story that I relayed, the Lord took me to task over because I, what he basically began to unpack to me in my heart, very gently, as a side note, let me tell you this. And I said this last night to some women, the Lord is very gentle with us. 
We want to understand, and we talked about this before, the voice of condemnation and conviction. He's firm, but he is gentle in his unpacking to our heart where we have gone astray, where we have allowed something else to re- to gain control of our heart or mastery of our mind. And in this season, the Lord gently rebuked me about my view of motherhood and specifically letting go of a child into a new season and how the truth, the underlying reason why this was hard for me was because this was idolatry. And so you may be in a season of letting a child go and you're wrestling it out and you're trying to figure out what's the right ground and what's, how do I handle this and walk in a way that, you know, I'm, I'm not drawing them tighter and trying to cling to them, trying to manipulate them into calling me or talking to me, or I'm trying to clutch at them and pull them back. And you know, maybe that that's not healthy. You recognize that, but you're trying to figure out how to let go well. And you may not recognize that underneath all of that, And I'm just challenging you. I don't know your heart. But for me, underneath all that wrestling, underneath all that desire, even the desire to do it well and to let him go well, there was an idolatry, a place I was worshiping, something other than Jesus. And that's the essence of the gospel story versus the story of my flesh, the story of mankind. You see, Jesus came and he died to rescue you and me from our fleshly sin self that worships everything else other than God. It's why the Ten Commandments are the way they are in the order that they're in. You know, the very first of the Ten Commandments says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make into yourselves any graven images. And what the Lord began to to unpack in my heart that day in that parking lot out at Baylor University was, Bethany, you have allowed motherhood to have a hold on your heart in such a way to be a place that you have found comfort And you have found your identity and you have found your peace. And it's time for us to recognize you are worshiping motherhood. And so it's not just that you're letting go of your son for a new season of his life. Bethany, you need to let go of an idol that you're clinging to and worship me instead. So let's talk for a minute about this idea of idolatry. And I am praying that you will hear me and not tune this out, but that you will allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. There is this amazing quote from somebody named Archbishop William Temple that I love, that I got from, uh, I read it in a Tim Keller book a long time ago. So he found it. I didn't even find it. I'm not, not that good. I don't read. Archbishop William Temple's work. I want to be clear about that. 
But it says this, it says, your religion is what you do with your solitude. Your religion is what you do with your solitude. And God actually brought this concept to mind that day and in the days to come. Because what happened is even that day, he kind of confronted me on the spot with it. And I knew, and I was like, oh, you're right, Lord, you're right. I want to hang all of myself on you. I want to surrender to you. Yes. Yes, God, I choose you and not this, right? It was quick and yes. But number one, it wasn't explored. And number two, in the solitude of my days afterwards, my mind did not shift to God and asking and centering my identity on him and knowing that Christ was in charge and knowing that he was the one that I was worshiping and walking with. But in the solitude of my days, after I left my oldest, I would return constantly to, I wonder what he's doing. I wonder what's going on. I wonder if he's making any friends. I hope he's making friends. Does he remember how much I love him? Why hasn't he called me? When is he going to text me? Should I text him? So in, in the solitude of my moments, my heart was turning towards that. And if I'm very honest, my thoughts were, does he miss me? Does he miss our home? Does he miss our family? And, and none of that is worshiping Jesus. What is an idol? An idol is anything. Your child, your family, the way your family works even. Where and how happy your child is. Anything that captures your heart and your imagination and becomes the most important thing, becomes the ultimate concern, becomes the thing that you are most allegiant to. That thing begins to give you meaning and happiness and identity. And for me, my motherhood has been this, it has been, it's an all-encompassing thing. And there's a truth to that. Like I have eight children. You may have one child. It's still all-encompassing. It, it is something you are walking with every minute of every day. You're interacting with them. You're helping them. You're serving them. You're preparing for them. You're solving things for them. Like you're doing a lot of things, a lot of activity. But when it becomes the most important thing, becomes the foundation of your thought life, becomes what you do with your solitude, you may have an idol. And I am not going to tell you you have an idol because you have a Holy Spirit. And I want you to engage in these scriptures that we're going to walk through. And I want you to engage in a conversation with him. Asking him, Lord, is this a letting go that is hard for me? Because in essence, it's something besides you, Jesus, that I need to feel happy or peaceful or satisfied. For me, my motherhood has always been a battleground of idolatry. It's not something for me that is one and done. It's not that I licked that and got that right back into place and I've never struggled with that again. 
It is the battleground of my soul where I am constantly working with the Holy Spirit's help and listening to his voice. Convict me again today. Hey, has this seeped in and become something other than me, Bethany, that gives you happiness, satisfaction, or peace? Because none of those things will long-term. You may in this season even be listening going, yeah, that's that's not me right now. I'm good. I'm not letting go of anything and I feel pretty good. But I'm just going to ask you gently, are you satisfied because your motherhood is doing well? Are you at peace because everything is working well in your home? Your relationships with your kids are great. And that's what gives you peace. And only you can answer that. It's a really, it's a really thin line. And so with great humility, I want to say I completely understand it, but I want to challenge your thinking here because I believe gospel living, walking with Jesus is so much more satisfying and and perfectly peaceful and utterly will utterly make you as happy as you've ever been when you and when I line up with the gospel that it is Jesus. It is Jesus and Jesus alone that captures our heart. That in our solitude, our thoughts shift to him. They shift to worshiping him and thinking about him and seeking out the word and wanting to know him. Then, then we have true peace. But oftentimes, this process of idolatry causes us to get deceived And we think, well, it's important that I think about my kids and worry about my kids. That's important, Bethany. Gosh, if I don't worry about my kids, who is going to worry about my kids? If I'm not actively concerned and working behind the scenes and trying to make sure everything's going well in their life, who is? But Romans 1 talks about the fact that when we are worshiping something other than God, the first thing that happens is there is a deception that begins to fall where we begin to believe that something other than Jesus should be first and foremost in our heart. And then following that, we become enslaved to it. We become so tied to it that we can't let it go. We can't stop thinking about it. We can't stop worrying about it. We can't stop being concerned and focused on it. It becomes what we are enslaved to. And our heart was made to center on God, but our flesh will make us center it somewhere else. And so what do we need? How do we fix that? Here we are. What do we do? We need to have a continual renewal. So we have to understand that we have a promise in Romans six fourteen, and the promise is, and this is our hope. It says, sin shall not be your master for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. But that is a continual renewing of your mind. It is not a one and done. Romans 8 also unpacks this truth for us. When he, when Paul says, you know, the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. And the things I don't want, that's, you know, what I, I keep doing the things I don't want to do. In other words, I keep finding myself back in this same worship cycle of seeing my motherhood as my identity, of seeing my children as my 
place I receive peace. If everything's going well with them, then everything's going well with me. But, but, Romans 8 continues, says we're not stuck there. We've learned to delight in the law of God and our inner being. And then we understand that Jesus is the one who delivers us from this. And so we begin to learn to reset our mind and reconfess, oh God, here I am again. I'm doing it again, Lord. Change me. Reset my mind. Help me to go back to the truth that you have for me. So what did I do? What did I do in that college moment? Where did I hang my hat? That's what I've had several friends who've asked me this. They're sending their kids to college. Like, what did you do? Well, I'll tell you the scripture that God gave me. It may not be the one he's given you, but this is the one that has saved my mind when my mind wants to worship the worry, the concern, the identity of motherhood. I go back to this scripture and it talks about Abraham. It's in Romans 4. And he is talking about Abraham and what what happened with the barrenness of Sarah's womb and his walk, Abraham's walk with God, right? And he says this, it says in Romans 4, verse 20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. You know, Abraham became fully convinced that God would do what he had promised long before the work was completed. And in my motherhood, this has had to become a benchmark concept for me. My, the work that God is doing in the lives of my children is not completed. The reality is it's not completed when they go to kindergarten. It's not completed when they go to college. That's a lie from the pit that says you have 18 years and then your, your people are finished. Your motherhood will continue. So what we have to understand, though, is it's not our identity. That is God's work that he is doing in the life of your child, and you get to walk alongside of him in it. But for me, you know, I had to come to this scripture and understand, wait a minute, am I clinging to the promises of God or am I clinging to what I can get done? Because the only way for me to grow strong in my faith is to hold to the promises of God, not to what I can get done or achieve in my motherhood. That is not a faith walk. Long before Isaac came, Abraham believed God could do the impossible. He glorified God in the now for what God was going to be doing in the future. And the Lord invited me in that moment, Bethany, when you begin to wrestle with this idol of motherhood again, I am inviting you to shift your focus from what is happening to me. From the circumstances to the one who is truly in control of the circumstances. Because when I shift my focus, instead of worshiping that that idol and hoping for a great outcome, instead I am worshiping the one who is working on the outcome. And my heart is secure because I can rest in him, in his sovereignty, in his grace, in his faithfulness, in his pursuit of my child, in the way that he has a long-term vision for my child, and I can realign my thinking and know that he is in control. And then what do I do? I go back and I find his promises in scripture. Why? Because verse 21 of Romans 4 says, fully convinced God was able to do 
what he had promised. And for you and for me in our motherhood, the way to combat the idol of motherhood is to become fully convinced that God is able to do what he has promised and to stand on his promises. That's why we have the Warrior Mama's Prayer Journal is because we are giving you these scriptures that you can stand on as promises in God's word, that you can pray those to God, that you can shift your heart and your mind away from worry and anxiety, which are idolatrous reactions. That's what they are. And shift your mind away from those and put them on the one who is in control and line up with him and say, God, I know you hold this child. I know you are at work in this child's life. I know you, you will do what you have promised that you will do. And we become like that persistent widow of Luke 11. And we keep praying and we keep praying and we keep praying. We understand and Philippians 1, 6 actually begins to hold some weight for us. And it's not just that flippant verse that everybody just kind of says that it says, I, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. For some of us, that is just a Jesus juke. We're just not sure. But for the one who is convinced that God is able to do what he has promised, and we're lining up in our prayer life with him, and we are seeking him, and we are fighting hard to not worship the idol of motherhood, then worry and anxiety Y'all, they just float away because in this space, we're worshiping him. We're clinging to his promises and we're going to grow strong in our faith. Your faith will grow when you stand on his promises. That's one of the byproducts of the Warrior Mama's Prayer Journal. Your faith will grow. You will see God at work because month after month, you will be writing your prayers down. And oh my goodness, you will see God answering your prayers and it will convince you. It will convince you that he is able to do what he had promised. Your faith will grow. You will begin to learn to boldly pray for that child you have to let go of. And you will trust that in that child's learning, God is at work. He is intersecting that child and fully committed to bringing that child to him. Y'all, that's our hope. That's the joy of walking in the gospel. That's the way Jesus will set you free. But we are living in an age of motherhood where most of us are walking around a little bit freaked out, a little bit anxious, and in our solitude, we return to those kinds of thoughts. And I just want to challenge you today. And I feel like I've spoken a little bit emotionally, but I'm charged on it because I'm living it. I'm doing this same battle right now. I'm letting another one go to school next week. And my insides are again in the twist of, oh Lord, please let her find really great friends. Let her get plugged into a beautiful community. Let her know you more because she stepped into a different space. Let her write. But there's also, how can I make that? How can I assure myself of that? How can I set her up for success? How can I do everything right? What can I do differently? That's seeping in. So for me personally, there are two passages I'm praying for my child right now. I'm praying Colossians 1 and Ephesians 1. They make them very easy for us to remember where they are. But Ephesians 1, I'm praying verses 15 through 20. 
for my child. And then I'm also praying Colossians 1, verses 9 through 13, or 9 through 12, really, if I'm honest. You may want to pray this for your child. You may want to just become fully convinced of his promises and his word. The Warrior Mama's Prayer Journal that I talked about and referenced in here, I believe every mama needs that journal. I believe you need it. It's available right now as a pre-order. It is arriving in September and will be sent out to all of y'all who have already purchased. So many of you have bought that. It's going fast and we do have limited quantities, but I want to encourage you to purchase this journal for your life so that over the next year, you can be learning how to stand fully convinced in the promises that God has promised us that he is able to complete so that your faith will grow. As always, reach out to me. I love speaking and getting to know y'all on Instagram. It's the easiest place to find me. You can find me over on my website, bethanykimsey.com, or you can find me on Instagram at bethanykimsey. Thanks for joining me today at the table. Thanks for listening this week to the Warrior Mama podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support other Warrior Mamas, I'll tell you that one of the best ways that you can do is you can just share this podcast with your friends. You know, sometimes we love to talk about the things we like the most for our face, for our life, for our kids. Can I tell you that it would be a great blessing to begin to share with other moms the things that God is teaching you and the ways that He is growing you in Him. Our prayer over here at the Warrior Mama Podcast is that this podcast is something that does that for you in your life. So feel free to share it with your friends, post about it on social media, and of course, leave a rating and a review. I love seeing what God is doing in your lives. And I look forward to sitting with you at the kitchen table again next week.